Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Coming to you hot, hot and nasty from Studio Nasty. <laughs> yeah, 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 check, 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 check. Check. We checked it. All right, okay. we checked it's it so good. It's checked, everybody. Um, yeah, we're back. Another one. Yeah, and we're coming to you from the middle of a spreadsheet revolution. Oh, that's right. I don't know if anybody... By which I mean that I have really revamped a good old Landrew is, in the last week. Has there ever been any evidence that anybody checks Landrew besides you and me? Uh, I don't think so. Ryan left some sarcastic comments about maybe he likes a spreadsheet better than Ben 2 once, but I don't think that indicates that he's ever seen it. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody's looking at Landrew. Uh, the land of Drew is where I live. Anyway, it's uh, hot shit. Conditional formatting. Everything auto-updates. I don't have to do any math by hand, which I'm not good at, it turns out. And the, uh, it's got distinct colors, so you can tell what yep. are the bad ones and the good ones. I found several point discrepancies. In fact, I had Deep Space Nine um, undercounted by a total of 20 points. How did we do the math so bad? Uh, I just didn't add good at the end, okay. but now it's all adding automatically, so I don't have to do anything. All right. Well, there's your Landrew The only update. thing I have to update now are the base scores and which episode won. That should be doable. I think we can do it. Yep. Uh, what the hell did we watch this week? Uh, this week, we watched uh, five Star Trek programs. What? The no. first of which... Oh, okay. Sorry. I just, I'm just i very sad that we did that, but okay. Yeah. We did, we did it, and it was dumb, but we did do it. Uh, and the first of those that we watched uh, was The City on the Edge of Forever. All right, let me see what, if I can remember what this dang old episode was about. Uh, it starts in the middle of Crisis. Uh, there's some shaking going on. Sh- the ship is shaking. And there's some time distortions or something that's coming from the planet underneath them. Yep. And it's breaking the ship and hurting people. And, and McCoy is trying to give somebody some happy juice on the bridge. But whoops, he slipped and fell on it. And he gave himself all the happy juice. Yeah, Just too much happy juice. The whole, the whole vial of happy juice. So he's freaking out, and he's, like, attacking dudes, and he beams off the ship. They go down to the planet to find McCoy, to find the source of all these weird time distortions, and it's a dang old rock of view screen. It looks like um, like a modern Jumbotron or something, in that it's Yeah, it's a like a, if, there was, if there was a minor league baseball team called the Cavemen. Yeah, that would be the custom shape like of their Jumbotron. The Peoria Cavemen, and they, they spent all of their money on a custom shaped jumbotron screen this is what it would look like yeah well this old boy is the gerdian of forever it really sounded like he said gerdian to me uh and he's got like time control powers because he was designed to but he doesn't really give us good information about why that happened 
Just no, the, this is another piece of old, super powerful technology that's just fucking there. Yeah, and I think people <clears throat> later on will try to link this to stuff in, like, TNG, but, you know, like the Iconians and, and shiz like that. Um, I think that you are thinking of the Star Trek MMO, which I now can't remember the name of. Star Trek Online? Star Trek Online. Yeah. They do, there is an arc that links the Guardian of Forever and the Iconians. Right, so I don't know if TNG goes that far. Anyway, episode description-wise, uh, they go inside that thing to find McCoy, who's jumped through it like a madman. And they uh, they end up in the old-timey past with, like, um, old 30s cars, 1930s cars or whatever. And uh, they steal some clothes, but a cop catches them, and then they trick the cop with some um, duplicitous words from Spock and then maybe a Vulcan neck pinch. I don't know. Does he neck pinch him? Yeah. He knocks him. He knocks him out. All right. So he knocks his ass out. And then, um, uh, they, some lady is, uh, running some kind of homeless shelter that they stumble into. And she says, it's okay if they hang around in the basement, if they work for 15 cents an hour, you know, I think she's really exploitative. Yeah. I don't know what great depression salaries were like, but 15 cents an hour doesn't sound great. Yeah. It's like, Hey, yeah, I don't mind if you stay here, if you fucking do all my stuff for me. Anyway, uh, Kirk falls in love with this lady real hard. Cause she's got like, um, really specific future ideas about spaceships and the atom. Yep. 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 Um, at some point they figure out after they build a TV or whatever, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, that it's, uh, this lady is going to either become like soups important. like, uh, presidential advisor important or she's gonna she's gonna die in the street but she needs to die in the street because if not all this alternate Hitler stuff will happen yeah it's bad news um, so they know that this this old lady's gotta die oh and they know that her death related to McCoy that for some reason something McCoy does is gonna kill her so they're looking for McCoy they know he's gonna show up there they don't know when uh, yeah, what a fucking wild coincidence huh, that Spock happened to find that one newspaper article and because he knows the woman he realizes that McCoy must have stopped her from dying it's uh it's a script full of wild coincidences yeah um anyway McCoy turns up in the exact same shelter uh still kind of half mad and then uh, uh he's they run into each other on the street, and the lady's, like, coming across the street to join him, and she gets hit by a car and dies. Um, Kirk, I guess, had a chance to save her, but he uh, he holds back McCoy, and they just they let that lady die so that there's not a, a super double Hitler. And then uh, and then they go back through the through the Guardian of Forever's door, and, and uh, they go back to the space future, and everybody's fine. Yeah, they had to have a line earlier where the Guardian said he would bring them back when their mission was done, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense how they got back. Yep. Yeah, There's he... no Guardian on the other side. They fucking jumped out of a brick wall. Right. So, yeah. Hey, um, what was it? Yeah, so I thought about it. And I thought, is this just a like a butterfly effect episode? But I don't think it is, because... Because they know that if they make changes, it will be bad. And they don't ever want to make the changes. And even though Kirk is in love with her, you know he's going to let her die. They do give you a couple of false starts where he saves her from, like, falling down the stairs and shit. But McCoy hadn't shown up yet, so... Yeah, that's right. They knew Since they knew for some reason it was McCoy-related, They uh, those yeah. didn't count. Those were uh, just practice runs. So, to me... This is about 
the decision that Kirk makes. It's not about you you have to a little change in the past can alter the future because first of all, I think we've already they've already done that. Yeah, I think you're already, right, that's not what this is. In fact, about. even in the last time they did a time travel, they already knew it. Exactly. They were already like, look, we can't we can't do a bunch of changes here. So to me, this is a uh this is an episode about Kirk having to make that decision. So the premise of this episode is that uh, there are duties higher even than love. Ooh. Um, that's a song by the same guy who did Higher Love. Uh, Steve, Steve Winwood? Yeah. Is that right? Think about it. There must be higher love. Yeah. Matt, I switched phones, so I don't have that clip on my phone. What is uh what what did that I switched I switched my soundboard device, so I can't just play that for you right now. Wait, are, wait, so are you not gonna be able to play clips on the pod? No, no, I can play clips. I just have to add them back to the phone and I didn't go through and add all of the old ones. Oh, okay. What's this what was that worth? Uh this is a five. We put a lot of emphasis on uh on love and following your heart and shit. So I find the I, reminder that sometimes you have to put something above love as at least it's worth talking about. It's not an amazing like super premise, but it's something. Yeah, especially for sci-fi. That, that, that's right. not something that needs to be done by sci-fi. Yeah. And actually, I had kind of the, the same issue with the take that I came up with, um, which is the, the greater good sometimes necessitates sacrificing that which is dear. It's kind of like the goods of the the good of the many and the good of the the few or whatever. The need, the, the needs, needs of the many. Yeah, the needs from of, Star Trek number 2. Yeah, the needs of the many, except I don't know. When I'm thinking about the needs of the few and the needs of the many, I think it's a decision somebody makes for themselves and they're definitely choosing on this lady's behalf to kill her. She is yep. not uh involved in the decision at all to sacrifice her life. Yep. So to me it's more like um <clears throat> Oh yeah, she's not making a sacrifice. Yeah, Kirk is sacrificing. Uh, this lady is not really involved in the uh, the conversation. Right. What's happening is Kirk is making a hard choice. Yeah. Spock would have thrown her down the fucking stairs. <laughs> Spock probably would have throttled her. <laughs> just killed her like, quietly in the basement. I don't know. McCoy will show up sooner or later. What if I just kill her now? Like, it's not going to change anything. Uh, and that was a five for me as as well. I mean, same reason. Like, it's yeah. a super old take, but it's more of like a epic premise and less of a sci-fi premise yeah i agree it doesn't we don't need star trek for this ben um did give it a whole eight though what because he says that the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few is the ultimate star trek take hold on a second he gave it an eight and that's not his pick of the week it's only one point shy of his pick of the week yeah, but don't okay. don't do spoilers i'm not i'm just saying he, that means he, he gave had something a real a nine? he had a real close week this week it's really hard to give something a nine he didn't give it any, anything a nine. Oh. It's his pick of the week is a different episode, but it doesn't have an eight for a take. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I got it. Too much Too much business. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, Exomocutions. I got some notes. Yeah. What do you think? They, Exomocutions. They really give the game away in this show, like just in general, with the extremely loud and long-lasting love themes. Like, the yeah. moment this lady shows up. Like, <laughs> they drown true. out all dialogue, and it goes on forever. It is impossible that Kirk has already fallen in love with her. Listen, in, in my notes, I wrote, because I can never remember whether I should take long notes or not, because I never remember which episodes I'm doing the intro for, Right. that uh, Kirk falls in love with her. 
I guess because she has a tiny nose and is kind of a futurist. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. It's uh, the the correct proportion for a dainty woman. He really falls for her hard when she's giving this very... Like, she gets up there to give a speech. Yeah, this is in front of all the hobos who are so very interested. They're in a soup kitchen, and everyone's eating soup, and one of the hobos is like to Kirk, well, now it's time to pay for our soup because we've got to listen to this lady's goddamn speeches. Yes, a very ungrateful so, dude. Like, you expect that she's going to get up there and and be like, you guys got to stop being winos, and you need hard work and self-respect <clears> or whatever. But instead, she gets up there and just gives some of her ideas about what the future will be like for man. Like, we're going to, I believe that we're going to travel through space. On spaceships. On a spaceship probably called Enterprise. And and you're going to visit new worlds and new civilizations. That's right. And uh, and and the brave the brave spacemen who are crewing these ships are going to make love to robots. There's a lot of find salt vampires, etc. There'll 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 even be such as um, minor wives. There will be a whole yep. cottage industry setting up wives for, with minors. Ancient robots whose makers have long ago been killed by those same robots. It's the oldest story. Maybe <laughs> silicon-based. Anyway. And the hobos are like, yeah, God, we know every she, week. She does this this speech where you'd think that they'd be like, everyone would be like, oh, that's not what I expected she was going to get up there and say. Uh but that's when Kirk really, really falls for her, and it's like, because she had some guesses? Yeah. Because she did a guess? Anyway, my point was just that this show is not in the habit of trusting its audience. As soon as the yeah, lady the shows up, they're like, oh, away, guess sure. what? Um, but I think if you project back to the uh, the TV that our grandfather had in his house, you probably needed the music to help you understand what was going on. <laughs> Somebody showed up. I don't know who it is. We'll see what the music says. Um... Not my. It's a. It's a late. Is it, Charlie, it's, it's a lady. Charlie, Charlie, come in here. Charlie, this lady must be pretty. Listen to the music. Um, stop making me imagine my grandparents watching Star Trek. It's weird. I'm sure me. they did. It's a weird mix. Um, it's probably too friendly to other races. Although I'm sure, I'm sure our grandfather uh, was appreciative of their treatment of women. Oh yeah, yeah. He he liked them in those little skirts, and um, but you know he always hugged us and told us to come again. That's true. So, he did say come again. I don't think he ever noticed we were there until that's until that moment. That was our interaction. That, with it. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, all right. Okay, you're talking about execution. Uh, for for a cheesy old show, um, that scene where McCoy can't understand why Kirk stopped him from saving uh, Edith is this lady's name. Um, yep, is actually fairly effective. And in, in terms mm-hmm. of the take, Kirk clearly sacrifices again on this lady's behalf um, for the greater good. So I, th- I thought it was all fairly effective um, from those points of view. It's just, again, super cheesy, um, some off-color racial comments. Just general general Star Trek badness was involved in it, so I could only give it a six. Yeah, oh yeah, it is. it is absolutely mandatory that Kirk when he has to explain Spock's appearance, says he's Chinese, and then he got his ears caught in a mechanical rice picker. Yeah, not only that, my friend is obviously Chinese. Is obviously Chinese. Is what he says. And it's like, is he gambling that this guy's never seen a Chinaman? No, no it's New York City. He They're in New York City right here. stuck in a mechanical rice picker. In a mechanical rice picker. And the guy, the cop didn't say, there's no such thing. I looked around the room over and over again, but nobody was here to enjoy these moments with me. 
Yeah. I was just going, yep. how is nobody seeing this right now? But di- displaced in space and time, I was enjoying those same moments. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, so a six for me. Uh, so uh, we're dead. We're dead aligned so far because I also gave it a six in terms of Boom. execution. I thought that the uh, use of the Paramount backlot was a lot more effective here than in Archons. Yeah, um, like it looked like an old time. It felt city more sort of. real somehow. Yeah, and I thought there were a couple of effective uh, tension building devices, dramatic devices. Kirk saves uh, Keeler's life twice instinctively. Right. So. That's, I mean, we know in the end he's going to let her die because, well, unless he comes up with some third crazy other sci-fi thing, but yes, that's not this you show. You would have needed a, a two-parter, I think, for him to right. have saved her life. But it's still like, at least it shows you that his instinct is to save her life. Right. And that he's going to have to fight it. And then there are a couple of occasions where it seems like McCoy, after he shows up, should run into Kirk or Spock or she should tell them, tell him enough to realize Kirk and Spock are there or something like that. But they don't end up meeting until the... Uh, critical moment right so i thought those were were pretty good i did wish they'd made it more clear what kirk liked about her you already said dude you picked it off yeah but i mean would it have been more satisfying if he talked about the size of her nose yeah okay. that would have been something right. you would have told us something about kirk <laughs> maybe that speaks to characterization but it's like, true I that aside from availability device. we never really learned what he likes about women no it's not clear like What's he into? What's the deal with Ruth? I just never yeah. can understand Ruth. And I, think I, keep, that's the key. I think about it all the time. If we could understand Ruth, I think we'd understand a lot. But we don't we're not given a yeah. lot there. Yeah, we don't have that. That's not a possibility for us. Uh so I gave it a six also. Uh Ben had given it a five. He asked how Spock knew it was a time portal, but I assume his tricorder just told him. Yep. <laughs> the tricorder in the original Star Trek gives a lot of very useful information like that. Well, like look, last week he said that their Enterprise's scanners were calibrated to detect every type of matter in the universe. Mm-hmm. That's very- and so since they didn't detect anything, et cetera. So like, let's not <laughs> listen. To, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable question for a different show. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of third rail questions for TOS that you can't ask. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to world building. Yeah. What do you got? Not the strong suit of this episode. Agreed. So, uh, another ancient godlike machine, something like a mechanical rice picker, (laughs) and uh, no crosswalks exist in 1930. Not on the back lot. Not on the back lot, because they jaywalk all the time, and so she really had this coming. Kirk doesn't know you're not supposed to jaywalk. There are probably no cars where he's from. No, he gives... And a, I mean Iowa. I don't mean the future. He gives a real Star Trek Four performance in the one of the first scenes when they're there, yeah. when a car almost hits him. Yeah, it turns him. out that's a callback, right? Yeah. I, the double dumbass on you is a callback. But then I really wanted swears, him to say... Says a swear. I really wanted the guy to call him a dumbass, and he didn't do it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't TV-friendly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but one there was one good piece of business. You know I always love this. The ship's in a little trouble. Kirk's gonna send out all of his log entries in a beacon. Yeah. Because... I, I just I love the idea that yeah look this ship could blow up let's make sure somebody knows what happened yeah I know. and that's something that Picard will literally never do and, uh, Picard learns from he learns the lessons of Kirk's time Kirk makes a lot of crazy log entries and it's clear nobody reads them yeah so he so he just doesn't care at all so really for that bit of business alone I gave it as many as three points in world building I gave it a two 
and that does not convince me to bump it up to a three. I know. That's something that I always particularly like because it makes the place seem like a real thing. Yeah. Uh, here's what I got. Cordrazine is that happy juice. <laughs> yeah, Cordrazine is problematic because Sulu is having atrial fibrillations or something. Yeah. From the time right? distortion or something. Because of the time distortion or something, or the ship just shakes too much. She shook, I don't it, know. shook him into a heart attack. Who knows? McCoy says very seriously, I. I think I'm going to have to risk a, a few drops of Cordrazine. And Kirk's like, are you fucking kidding? Like, that's the, you don't, don't use that stuff. But Sulu seems to like it. I mean, he gives and then Sulu comes around face. or whatever. And then this guy gives, and then he shoots a whole fucking vial of the shit in there. He puts 200 milliliters of it right into his heart. And he becomes a madman who starts shouting about killers and assassins and stuff. He, uh, he runs around yelling assassins. I don't know what he's talking so, about. So what is this drug? How could it do two, those two things? Right. How could it? Alter your heart rhythm, like reset your heart rhythm, and also make you a super crazy person. Uh, ripples in time and shockwaves they make, question mark? Yep. Such a thing exists. I mean, we we already did, uh, I want to say Krieger waves, but that's wrong. Oh, you mean in... Um, we'll always have Paris. Yeah. We already did, we'll always have Paris. Not Krieger waves, because so. that's the other one. <laughs> Krieger waves is a matter of perspective. <laughs> right. So one uh, of the 15 Rashomon episodes in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, also, such a thing exists as the Guardian of Forever, uh, yep. alternate Hitler, mostly garbage sci-fi stuff to drive the episode. So it's a two. Yeah. Eh, again, I gave it a three. You're not going to get much argument from me out of that. Uh, Did you like the characterization any better? Um, okay. Here's what I got. <clears throat> Spock is all butthurt that GERD, that's what I'm calling the Guardian at this point, Gerd wasn't paying him any respect as a scientist. Right? The guy's like, you don't know shit. And Spock's like, oh, really? Like, they're going to get into it. Uh, he's also for sure down with lying to this old-timey cop. Yep. Spock is sassy now. Yeah. Do you remember last week when he told <laughs> like uh, to his Methuselah face. to his face yeah. that he was a liar? He was like... Uh, and then he was well, like, I don't know what you're so upset I about. I merely said that you're a liar. I have deduced that you're a liar. It's like, oh, damn. Also, Captain, logically, his dick is shriveled and tiny. <laughs> and then just an eyebrow And it doesn't raise. work, and it bends to the left. Yeah. Uh, he also knows Kirk well enough to worry that he might let his boner ruin Earth. He is concerned about that, yes. He's like, oh, I'm kind of seeing what's going on here, and I'm not sure you got the guts. Let me just choke her out in the basement. <laughs> just, just go for a walk, and when you come back, no more problems. Uh, Kirk, just like in Star Trek Four, thinks the past will be a breeze. Yes. When he walks in, he's like, I got this. Don't worry about this. This is mine. The 1930s was my time, or whatever. Th I mean, this is why he's so confident about it in Star Trek Four. Does he not why remember he how he bad it goes this time? Sell his eyeglasses and shit, or whatever. What does it mean, exact change only, dude? That's, that's a good question. Well, that's not real Spock. That's... <laughs> Uh, that's learning Spock. Katra. That's Spock's Katra. He's learning. Put back in his weird Genesis body. Uh, I'm sorry, but I cannot believe that given the seriousness of the situation, that I'd be able to play it romance the way Kirk decides to in this episode. I know, it seems wild, right? It, the whole Federation got wiped out. Yeah, and they are totally stranded. They're, like They have to fix this shit pronto in order to save everything. But he's yeah, just... McCoy's going to show up at some point and do something. And you have to stop that or the Federation ceases to exist. And you have given the rest of your officers the crazy instructions to keep trying if you fail. 
That's right. Come back here and Wait, do it. Do hey, it if we one by it. one, you dipshits are going to have to come back here and try and stop whatever happened. In fact, I think he says, "Split up." You look like a cadet review. <laughs> well, doesn't mean that's not what he says. <laughs> well, yes, he does say that. But yeah, it's an old timey TV farce. Like even though it's a dire situation and we only have forty five minutes, Kirk still has to fall in love. Yeah, um, right away. But that makes him seem really and, unreliable to me. You know, this is impossible too because uh, you were thinking about what it would be like to go back in time and then like. You'd see a lady. Oh, and she'd look you know real be, rough. Right? She'd smell bad. She'd smell. She'd look rough. Like she'd hard just smell times. wrong. Yeah, and yeah. you'd be like, "It's like when a pretty girl gets on the bus or train, but then she Don't. smells bad, and you're like, what's happening?'" Don't remind me of one of the most visceral, confusing reactions <laughs> I've ever had. It still haunts me to this day when that super hot Indian girl got on the bus, and the smell was so bad and weird, and I was like, "I don't even. I don't know what's happening." Your eyes and your nose disagree yeah. strongly. Um. Anyway, it makes him seem unreliable. That he's literally saying things out loud like, I'm, I've fallen in love with Edith. And it's like, alright, dude. Uh, but in the end, he takes a big fat lump. So, good for him. Yeah, uh, McCoy is out of his gourd most of the time, but his final scenes with Keeler and Kirk are fairly effective, like I said earlier. Um, overall, I thought it was a five. If Kirk had been stronger, they would have gotten more points. Oh, Doug, we are so close together on this one. Because I had also given it a five. Yeah. So we're we're one point apart on this episode. Yeah. And, you know, this um, is one of the better, as we talked about um, when we were leading up to this episode, or this week, this is one of the better thought of TOS episodes, but when I looked yeah, at it, it, it just seemed pretty average. Yeah, it's not going to be my high score, for yeah. sure. Um, and even anticipating what the final total score is going to be, it's not going to be one of the five best we've done so far. No. So, But... Um, yeah, I, a lot of the same thing. I really liked the part um, where Kirk was giving the crew the order that they'd each have to try. And I liked Scotty's reaction to it, too. Like, again, it's it made them seem like real competent people. Yeah. Um, uh, we get an early glimpse. So, again, there are many. The Star Trek Four is all over this episode. Yeah, it really is. And I, we get an early glimpse that McCoy thinks very little of 20th century medicine. I hadn't noticed yeah. it until the, just this time. I think I never pay enough attention to the TOS episode, so now that we're doing right. this project, I'm like, oh, wow, check that out. And then uh, we were told by Edith Keeler that Spock belongs at Kirk's side somehow. Always. But I, I again, would rather have been shown than told. Yeah. And this came up in the Spores episode, too. Yeah. Where she was like, that man on the bridge or whatever. I think you know what I'm talking. Yeah, I about. think that, I think they, they were. I think they were kind of getting it, showing us by having an outsider notice it immediately. Right. It's a little better yeah. than just having Spock say it or Kirk say it. He's like, "Well, what about us?" And she's like, "Well, you at his side always and forever or something weird." <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay. Um. Yeah, so, you know, really, apart from some business right at the beginning, this show becomes a, a two-hander uh, for as far as main characters are concerned. So yeah. it's never never going to score super high for characterization, but, it, you know, again, I thought it was about a five. Uh, just checking in, Ben gave it a four on world building. He he noted the heavy eyeshadow for Sulu. I don't, I don't know why that's part of world building. Um, and he gave it a, only a three on characterization. Sulu's in this episode for 15 seconds, so he must have been paying attention. Yeah. Um, Sulu doesn't even go down to the planet, despite the fact that for no good reason, 
Scotty and Uhura both go down. Yeah. Yeah, what, I mean, wait a minute. So when the Federation stops existing, does the Enterprise still exist? No, it does not. So Sulu's gone. because they were, yeah, Sulu's gone. Okay. Sulu's gone. That nice engineering lady from last week is gone. The the Asian lady who was cradling Sulu, is she gone too? Yeah, she's gone. Leslie, if he's still around, is gone. That transporter guy we've seen eight times is gone. The guy that McCoy karate chopped, is he gone? Yeah, he's dead. Okay. All gone. I mean, he never existed. Oh, well, that's good. To, all right, good. <laughs> then it's all nice and tidy. Uh, yeah. Why don't you do some uh, some quick hitters? Yeah, I, I mean, I took note of a thing or two. <laughs> good. Uh, at, at this point in the season, what of it? <laughs> at this point in the season, no one is doing their own stunts, huh? Yeah, not anymore. D. Kelly can't even fall over on his own yeah. when he's kneeling and then falls to the rest of the way. Stunt double. Yeah, I don't know if somebody upped their budget or what, but in those first few episodes, they were doing their own stunts. You're right. And now it's... It's bad. They gave us a repeat. You talked about the love theme. Ugh. They gave us a repeat of the uh, Finnegan Irish background music when Kirk was stealing clothes. That's racist, right? Yep, that's what the Irish do. That's what the music was meant to indicate. Uh, I just wrote, ooh, that sism when uh, Kirk was doing the uh, My Friend is Obviously Chinese. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, it's real, real heavy. Why does Kirk know about Boise? Why does he know that there was a town called Boise? Is Boise one of the major towns in the future? Well, I mean, it might just exist in the future. It doesn't have to be like a big metropolis or anything. Just, he says he knows San Diego it. something and Boise. And I was like, oh man, Boise. <laughs> it's a weird pull. It is a weird pull. I don't know. Was Boise big, Was Boise important in the 60s? I don't know. Hey, I'm uh, I'm 37 years old. And I'm, for the first time in my life, just wondering what the fuck goody two-shoes is supposed to mean. Is it like, is it a thing of nerds to have two shoes? Yeah, because anyone who's like a tough, cool guy lost one of his shoes in a brawl. <laughs> I guess and so. The other Someone calls bloody. her a goody two-shoes. The other and, shoe is uh, a hella bloody, and the, and but the other one, he's done, not only is he missing one shoe, his sock's got a hole in his toes, picked, like sticking right out the front of it. What a fucking wild idiom that is to have taken hold in our country. Yeah, I'm not doing the internet. Oh, look at this fucker. has got two shoes. <laughs> that is it's not a quick hitter about this toes. episode. It's not, but uh, they did say it, and I thought, what? what is that? All right, someone will do the internet research. Uh, whose pet idea on the staff is it that let me help Maybe three words more important than I love you? Yeah, that's really weird. I guess because guys were not helpful in the uh, <clears throat> in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah, so I guess I guess. said, "Let me help." That was super. That was a super big deal. The um, somebody refers to that old wood alky. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, I think it's the guy who is afraid of McCoy when McCoy comes into that the dude past. Appears finally. to be drinking a big jug of milk. <laughs> He's wholesome. Is that factual? I'm, that looked like milk. It might have been milk. Was it eggnog? I'm confused. Like I'm. Um, it seems like pea coats used to come in so many more colors than you can get them in today. Kirk's got kind of a maroon one. Oh, yeah. Spock's in a, like an olive green pea coat. They even gave Kirk's a little hole in the back, like he he was clearly borrowed from the homeless, lost and found. Yeah. And they didn't uh, give us a joke around uh, tag on the bridge in this episode, I noticed. Well, it's cause he was so sad about his lady. 
Yeah, but how do we know it'll be okay if they don't f- crack a fucking joke about Maybe it? Maybe it won't be. Maybe next week the, the whole Federation will be different. I think that's about it. I mean, I thought that... Uh, I also noticed that uh, Kirk seduces her by inventing a fake novelist, I assume. Yeah. Like, do you think he told her the truth about a future novelist or just made it up just made up a nonsense because why not uh i assume he made it up i think you're correct yeah um did you uh did you take note of any oddities yeah i mean we talked about a lot of them but like first kirk ain't nobody reading your boring old logs made in confusing tenses (laughs) like you would get a third of the way through the first log and you go wait a minute hold on was when he saying is, this as it happened or after? Is this during? Did he take it during the event? Did he do that? I'm really confused. And then he just turned that shit off. So your logs are. Was useless. he sitting on the bridge when he said all this? I think I can hear. I can hear the communications officer in the background. This dude is straight up on the bridge. Um, let's see. Sweet double chop from Bones on that unsuspecting red shirt. Give him a quick double chop. Yep. Um, I didn't remember that their time adventure was purposeful. Like where they purposely jump into it to save society or whatever. In your mind, this is one of the other 15 times when they accidentally go back in time and have to do something about it. I forgot that they uh, dove into this on purpose. Makes sense. Um, What did that, when they were doing the Irish music, actually, what did that um, remark about stealing from the rich and giving to the poor mean? He he just stole some random clothes from somebody's fucking shit. Yeah, because Spock knows all about Robin Hood. I was so confused by what I was like, what does that line mean in this case? They just straight up stole from some regular-ass people. Like, Kirk couldn't just say to Spock, look, this is the obvious and logical course of action to take here. Yeah, that's what I would have said. I said, look, we need those goddamn clothes. Don't even judge me. Yeah. Um, Spock got very poetic. Time is like a river. Bro. <laughs> Yep. Uh, why is this lady talking about harnessing energies in spaceships? Is she a mad woman? <laughs> it's a very good question. Actually, when she got up there the first time, and the guy's like, "Oh, now we got to listen to her." I thought she was going to sing, and I was cringing. I was like, "Oh, very, God. very little about her is explained." But my pet theory is that she has a rich dad. Yeah, me too. And yeah, he is financing this dumb mission. He's going to finance all of her project, dumb missions, which is why she's he gonna... is sick of hearing about strange energies and spaceships. <laughs> That's right. He needs her to have a hobby to go away. And probably his money is what gets her all the way to the president's ear. Or bed? It's not clear. It is very unclear. Hey, um, McCoy still knows what sutures are, but that knowledge is apparently lost by the time of, like, Catherine Janeway. Yeah. Well, she's not a doctor. When literally everyone on the bridge goes, Sutures? You're like, yeah. why did you have to write it? Okay, anyway, that's a criticism of Voyager that I've already made. Uh, also, isn't the device that they use to seal up wounds called an auto suture? Yes. yes. Okay. So Just anyway, checking. I, I know this is a different. They should know what the word different show. Means. And I've already made this whole argument when we did that. Um, hey, is McCoy planning on banging this chick himself? We know that he's horny as hell. He's horny as hell, and I, he's giving. He's this low lady key horny, but it's there. We saw it in that episode. Uh, where they were on the planet, and he wanted to watch that lady change into her princess outfit <laughs> he or whatever. made her change in front of him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go behind the bushes. I won't see anything. He He's totally given Edith the eye, and he's trying to charm her with his, um, 
I've just come out of a mad stupor charms. Yep. So I think if he doesn't meet Kirk in the street and she gets hit by a car, I think he's probably going to make a move. That's why he's mad about it. Yeah, he's like, why didn't you let me save my girlfriend? I mean, she wasn't my girlfriend yet, but I was going to ask her about it. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. I think that's 100% right. Uh, you know, in Ben's quick hitters, he brought up a very interesting point. Uh, at one point, the uh, the hobo that McCoy scares vaporizes himself accidentally with McCoy's phaser. Why does McCoy have a phaser? He came directly from the bridge. Yeah. It doesn't and, make any sense. And, yeah, and he was a mad person, so apparently he was a mad person with some f- purpose of thought. He picked up a phaser on the way. Do you have an MVP for this week? No, I don't do it anymore. It's over. The MVP's right. canceled. I thought maybe you'd like it Because nobody deserves it. Yeah. One time I had to give it to Harry Kim, and then I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah, that is suck. I, uh, I gave Best Actor to uh, Scotty, accepting command of the rest of the party. It's a very short bit, but I liked it the best. Okay. And I gave a worst actor to Assassin's McCoy. It was very local state. It was like small community theater. Now, we're going to do something a little different this week where we're going to do all of the totals at the end and talk about how the episodes performed later. For suspense. Um, for, suspense for suspense and also because uh, the new the new and improved Landrew will give me the opportunity to see some more information at a glance if we do it this way. Okay. So... Let's uh let's move right into the next episode we watched. This week we watched Elementary Dear Data. Tell me about it. The Enterprise is waiting in deep space for a rendezvous with the USS Victory and using the free time they have for hobbies. Uh, Jordy takes Data to the holodeck to play Sherlock Holmes. After he shows him not, his wooden ship that he built. He does He does show him the wooden ship that he built. It's not fun, though, for Jordy, because Data has read the Prima Guide. That's right. He's read the game facts yep. on this Sherlock Holmes adventure. He even subscribed to the online edition. He's a real fucker. So Jordy has a, gets real butthurt and storms out. Jordy remembers the days before game facts when you had to like figure stuff out yourself. They go to uh, they go to talk about it in ten forward because Jordy needs a drink now, and uh, Pulaski, who's there drinking alone, butts in and dares Jordy and Data to solve an all new mystery, which he does, but uh, she says it doesn't count because all the computer did was jumble up a bunch of other shit from Sherlock Holmes stories. So uh, Jordy tries again. Yeah. And By the way, I'm impressed says, with the patience of these writers that they that they gave us these three tries yeah we had to see that second one for some reason jordy tries again and accidentally says some magic words and creates life (laughs) Yep. so uh professor moriarty shows up and demonstrates that he has control of the holodeck kidnaps pulaski Uh, jordy and data go after him after her and do some clownish nonsense Mm. and chase him into a warehouse where they meet and he shows Data a picture of the Enterprise. Right. And then uh, Data has a real emotional freakout about this and tries to shut down the holodeck. That's but not can't. the Data I know. You must have been watching a different episode. I mean, I'm just saying. He gets real scared. Mm-hmm. So after they can't shut down the holodeck, they just fucking go up to the uh, conference room and have a chat. Yep. And Picard immediately works out that Jordy said some magic words. 
and gave Moriarty superpowers. And Troy uh, reveals that she can even sense his intentions from the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Suddenly. So Picard and Data go back there to uh, try and trick him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's not clear. It's hard to say. They have kind of a long chat about what it means to be alive, and Picard promises that they will try to figure out how to get him out of the holodeck, whereupon he returns control to Picard and ends the program. And the episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, Were you before we get into it, were you as surprised as I was that it didn't keep going from there? Because we know that there's another episode that deals with this shiz that comes later, and I just had some of that lumped into this episode. <laughs> Me too. I had a lot of it mixed in there. I was very surprised when it just ended. I went, oh, that was I it. thought they were going to go into Proto Matter and Heisenberg Compensators and horseshit like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, anyway. Um, From, let's face it, a worse episode. Look, both well, of the episodes with Moriarty are so bad that it's hard to say. We'll see. Yes, yeah, and can up. I say this right now? Not the fault of the guy playing Moriarty. No, he did. He did. Um, he, He's doing just fine. He did it's not measured British guy just fine. Yeah. So, um, you want me to get what into is it? this yeah, um, episode? Here's what I got. Be careful what you wish for. Jordy almost kills every goddamn buddy because he wants to prove Data's brilliance and shut up Pulaski. It's not super helpful as a take, but um, it's just more of a saying. Oh, I'm getting some weird feedback here. Or uh, I think it's stat. I think it's me. Oh, okay. How are we now? It's better. Um, anyway, um, so it's just more of a saying. I only gave it three points. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's definitely one way to interpret what's happening here. Here's what I had. It's okay if you make a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, there's nothing useful about this don't accidentally use the exact wrong terminology when talking to a computer that it turns out is capable of doing some incredible shit you had no idea it could do. Yeah, I guess even the better That's version of mine is... That's not a real good lesson there. It's more like, be really careful. Just be careful. Is be careful yeah, to take? I guess. I guess. <laughs> but it's like, you know, at the end, there's a little tag. Jordy's looking at his slightly banged up ship and Picard's there, and he's like, man, I almost got us all killed. Because I did a fuck like, up. But you didn't. <laughs> and you go, oh, that's nice. And I guess uh, I said, all right, I guess that's what it's about. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up about it. No, this is nobody's fault. Yep. So uh, it's a three-point take for me. All right, we're in agreement. What did you have? Nope, on nobody's the, fault this is. What did you have on the execution of that uh, very important take? Wait, hold on a second. It's okay if you make mistakes. It's worth three whole points? Yeah. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, I mean, don't beat yourself up about it. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's true world. that we can all take that back and just really just feel Look, it you're, inside. You're going to do a whoopsie it's, in your life. It's all absorbed. And that. you can't, it can't be, like the rest of your life can't be about that whoopsie. That's right. Although Jordy, if he's like me, is going to wake up every night and go, oh boy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's going to oh, relive boy. every night of his life saying, give me an opponent capable of defeating Data. <laughs> That's not the part he'll relive. He'll relive the I part. I love he'll that the, the part is instantly like, I, he should have said capable of defeating Holmes. That's not that's not the part. The part that he's going to relive every night in the middle of the night is the part in the observation lounge when he had to say that part in front of Picard. Yes. That's the part that every night he'll wake up and go, oh my god. <laughs> oh god, he instantly knew I should have said Holmes <laughs> yep. and I had to tell him I said data. Yep. 
Uh, um, go for it. No, I mean, listen, Jordy's going to have future behaviors that wipe this one completely out. Yeah. Yes. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to wake up. He's gonna wake up every night remembering the time mm-hmm. he ran through the holodeck doors and Leah Brahms was standing there looking at Leah yeah, Brahms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sex stuff. At That's him. you know what? That's actually so obvious. That one probably won't even rate. His brain will have totally wiped it out. He probably will not be capable of remembering that. Happened. The parts of my life that I should be really embarrassed about don't ever come back to haunt me. It's only the small things. Jordy's me, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's the execution on this one. Okay. Um. I guess you don't even have to learn from your mistake. No. This is a 40-minute setup, this episode, that ends in two minutes. Because, once again, the ship is facing a very reasonable opponent. Yeah. This is like an Angel one, when they're like... Maybe you should change your ideas. (sighs) Okay, whatever. All right, we're going to let you all go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for changing your ideas. That was pretty much the extent of the diplomacy that Riker did. Anytime Picard shows up and just talks someone out of something, you just go, well, boy, they got lucky on that one, huh? Well, yeah, I guess. But that's a lot of episodes. Like when Karnas, at the end of Too Short a Season, is just like, well, I got what I wanted. You can have your uh, people back. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, as long as the old man's disgraced and dead, I, I don't, don't really care. This went way crazier than I was expecting, yeah. so I kind of just want this to be over with. Check out my statues on the way out. They're pretty fucking hype. How do you like my eagles? <laughs> they are not looking at me. It's really cool. He's flanked <laughs> by eagles. Um, So that's not great. Um, okay. There are going to be a lot of these episodes that are obviously someone's pet project. Yeah, TNG, I think, loves this more than any of the others. This is not like, even the first one, because there's no other way to interpret the Dixon Hill. The Big, the goodbye? Big goodbye episode. Yeah, that one. Someone was just big into film noir. As you recall, we scored that one pretty low. Yeah. Um, I gave this a four for execution. Okay. Uh, here's what Where do you have it? They begin to address far more interesting questions in this episode. What is intelligence? What is life and sentience? But they don't see any of that through to the end. Instead, no. we get this whoopsie from Jordy and a villain who gives up real easy. Weirdly, I remember... So, rem- we had all of the exact same points yeah, to make here. Weirdly, again, like I said, I remembered a lot of the stuff from the later Moriarty episode happening here. And when it didn't go down, it made this episode seem even less meaningful. Yeah. Because he just straight up goes, oh, all right, well, do what you, do what you can. I'll be here in the holodeck when you guys have found a way to fix it. Yep. The first half is just a cheesy romp full of characters I hate. That's oh, true. A cloying score and a lot of dread about what was happening in, later in the, the episode. So I gave it a three. I had it a, a little bit less. Neither one of us thought it was particularly good. Just poops. Through the... Uh, through the first half of this, uh, Ben is, again, a little more generous than us. He gave it a five for the take that should have been the take. What is life? Mm-hmm. Opportunities to address this. For instance, we know from last week that Pulaski has a hard time accepting that Data's alive. Yep, and this would have been a perfect entry into that. But for some reason, they felt like we needed more Pulaski data. But I felt the same as you. This is not about that. Yeah. Because as soon as Picard reveals that Jordy did a whoopsie in the conference room, mm-hmm. everybody is instantly on board for what's happening here. Yeah, there's like, no no more discussion or debate. 
Troy says she can sense the intelligence in the holodeck, and no one says, What are you talking about? Possible? Yeah. From what? Exactly. He's only made what out What are life. you sensing? Is it a person? Like, how is it happening? Did, does he have a brain? Like, how is. What is putting out a telepathic wave that Troy could. No Stop one cares. saying all the arguments that are real and in my head. They are just instantly like. Yeah, I guess. I guess the computer made a life. Troy wouldn't lie. And also, they never asked the question. Well, shit, is the computer sentient? Yeah, right. If it's capable of creating sentience. Because some part of the computer is capable of being sentient. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. No one asks it, so... I disagree with Ben that that's what this episode is about. Yep. And he gave it a six on execution. He, he did. Um, I'm trying to figure out why. Because they make you root for Moriarty by the end? I mean, I guess kind of. You, you certainly don't blame him. He's yeah, just trying to figure shit out. He's, like, trying to figure out existence. What they don't explore at all, because he just says it, and they're like, okay, mm. is that he is not, he's not, his name is Moriarty, but he is not the character of Professor Moriarty right. anymore. Right, not anymore. Just like he knows the data is Holmes, but also not Holmes. But also not Holmes. Yeah. Uh, they don't address that at all either. No, they don't address anything. Again, I think it's because I've been watching so much Running Man. This felt really short. Because <laughs> the, well, it's not the running man like an hour, hour and a half for sure, and like this, it's ended now. Wait a minute, is this that was it? Oh, I know. It's just like uh, end program and save it or whatever, and then bah, 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 yeah, like, like what? Hold on a second. Did I? I think I slept through some. What happened? Did I miss some of this <laughs> yeah, episode? It was really abrupt. Anyway, so, so he's higher on it than we are. He is. Uh, should I do a world build? Yeah, wh- where are you on world building for this episode? They never really explain why in some cases they need to get dressed up beforehand. In some cases they don't get dressed up at all. In some cases their clothes change when they go in the holodeck. Like, does it depend Have on we the seen program? That one yet? Um, I don't know if we've seen that one yet. Yeah, I think it, we know that something like that will definitely happen in... I don't know, even in, even in the fucking first contact no it, it does he tells the computer what he wants to wear when he goes and it changes to oh it. and they put it on over him it just like I, I thought they changed into it somehow no he well no. i don't know he says to the computer what he wants maybe they maybe he changes into it i don't know but that's a lot of changing I'm trying to think, i don't know if that happens at any point They're like, because i think in i think in the next generation every time they show up they are they show up in the holodeck in the clothes they're going to be in the holodeck in. But sometimes they just go in as themselves and the characters recognize them as whoever they're supposed to be. So I think we it just depends on the Tasha program. We have seen Tasha Yar put on a holographic gi, though. Uh, I think. Um, some stuff about how the holodeck works in terms of like walking and why you don't hit walls, and which they already kind of did in the pilot. Yep. Um, creating holodeck sentience shows up on Worf's panel. <laughs> As a power search. What the fuck? <laughs> That's a thing. Uh, what was the lever mechanism he was using to shake the ship? How did me? How did he and Mister Computer work that one out? It's a very, it's a very good question. <laughs> they walk in, and suddenly he's got this giant fucking machinery the size of a room, and he pulls the lever, and everything shakes. Did he ask Mister Computer how to make everything shake? This, this guy has some weird ideas. I, I think weirdly. So there's a very bad episode late in the run called Emergence. Not like this one. Bad. Not like this one, which was a good one. I mean, it's worse than... I've, in Emergence my memory, is very worse than, bad. Worse even than this one. It's, it's season seven bad. Uh, 
that I think does a better job of explaining sort of how metaphors are manifest. Right. By the sentient computer's dreaming self or whatever. To me, that lever that can all it does is shake the ship is supposed to mean that he only he is only starting to stretch for control of the ship. Right. And he hasn't he doesn't know what it means yet. But I mean, I'm just asking, did he did did he say literally to Mr. Computer, I want a machine that will shake the ship and the computer just spit out that giant thing? Well, it's a big weakness. Uh A thing that's not addressed in this episode is how separate he is from the computer. Mm. He's running in the computer as a program, but he interacts with it through the arch and talks to it and talks to it, though it doesn't talk back That's as far true. as we know it's not explored yeah what like, a surprise the boundary layer between him and the rest of the computer which is even more terrifying because it was capable of creating him accidentally uh i had it at a three but just realizing i only have two points there that's only two points worth <laughs> okay um well uh, not surprisingly, I also gave it two points. Okay. Uh, the computer and holodeck are terrifying. Yep, that's where sometimes the ship sure. sits dead in space, waiting for a rendezvous. Instead of going to the other <laughs> ship, it gets confusing. They might pass why? each other, and then they won't know happen. They're not good at communicating. But why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, the tactical panel can monitor power surges. So we basically had the same exact yeah, but points. Wait, why would the sentience show up as a power? Okay, it's fine. Yeah, the computer the had to like, fucking crank it into high gear to create a sentient life form, What if form, misread it? What if it was the panel next to the power surge panel and it said sentience and he just wasn't paying attention? He should have paid more attention. It's not going to pay attention in emergency. Well, douche either. isn't even standing at his station. He's like no, chatting he's it up. No, standing there bullshitting with... Riker? Yeah, and then he's like, oh, something's happening to my panel. I better go back over there. Why don't you watch your panel, dog? What's your job here? So, they're not really attempting any world building. Here no. Because they don't explore at all. No, the world they built the, is... How they I, have to live with this computer that is apparently a, a class of life form they had not ever experienced before. I read uh, I read all of the Sherlock Holmes, and I'm really into it. That's what they. That's the world they that's explored. That's 100% what yeah. it was. Okay, well, how'd you feel about the wonderful character work? Uh, Jordy is awfully short-tempered with Data here for not playing the game right. Really throws a, t- a tantrum. And then he's immediately on Data's side against Pulaski to a remarkable degree. And I'm with him on that. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, Data, of course, is nothing but emotions in this episode. Uh-huh. Just a sea of emotions in a bad coat. Yep. As soon as he becomes Sherlock Holmes, he becomes a sarcastic asshole. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, well, look. The only thing that makes sense is that Data has emotions and doesn't know it. Yes. It's the only thing that makes this portrayal of this character reasonable. Every week it becomes more clear that that is the correct take. And I really I really blame it on whoever found him. I'm 100% sure someone told him he didn't have emotions. And he's just like, well guess that's true you don't even need to like repeat the theory anymore because we talk about it every week and it is now it's just obvious like that is what has happened someone misinformed him and he is too trusting he needs to maybe figure stuff out i know we're only three episodes into this season Mm -hmm. they should think of one other thing for pulaski aside from being racist 
This is I my mean, biggest we're starting question. to see that she's a little bit of a drunk. This is my biggest question about Pulaski is why create a character full of only negative f- personality types? Like, we're going to have to see her every week. Yeah. Why do you want us to see the characters you've created and go, oh, God, not this one again? When uh, when Picard does his little top hat trick, makes his top hat pop out, mm-hmm. uh, Riker rolls his eyes, and I love that. <laughs> I assume it was Frakes doing it, I think but, so too. Uh, and it just made it on film. But I love it whether it's Riker or Frakes. Yeah. He's barely in this episode. He is. It's not not about him. He hasn't really... Since he was shouting about who's the daddy, <laughs> he's not really been a factor. He was here. in half of the first episode of season two, and you're right. He is not really. I mean, he, fig- he played on the holodeck out with by Worf. now that this show is about Picard and Data. Yeah, he played on the holodeck with Worf last week, and then he didn't really do much else. Yeah. How many of these old Constellation-class ships are out there? It seems like they built a lot of them. Yeah. Because they built that no model. wonder. No wonder Jordy would rather have been on the ocean-going victory. I know. The the Constellation is a really ugly class of ship. For sure. Uh, and then, of course, Picard talks his way out and shows mercy like a typical Starfleet captain. I gave it a four for characterization. I didn't like Data. I still don't like Pulaski. And uh, <laughs> no one else did anything. Oh, Jordy was petulant. Uh, I can't say I totally disagree, but I only gave it a three. Data is fucking orgasmic over the ship model. It is very true. Then he smiles, like, the whole way out of engineering and into the holodeck. And the fucking accents that he and Jordy put on. Woof. Jordy's is very bad. Jordy's is rapping. Jordy's bad. is rapping a little bad, but Data's was extremely annoying as well. Uh, Jordy is way into sailing ships for some reason. They make that, they make, like, a lot of characters feel that way. Yeah, ships and bottles, etc. It's going to keep coming up. Uh, Let's see. Jordy has powerful emotions because he just turned 14 and he knows better than you and you're boring. (laughs) I think he just wants to box Pulaski's ears and he does it by wagering on Data's intelligence. Yep. Um, Let's see. Pulaski sits alone in 10 Ford because no one will sit with her, probably because she just interrupts people's conversations with racist garbage from across the room. I wouldn't sit with her. But she does. It is a bold move, right? You're sitting there drinking alone, and you're just gonna fucking pipe up and join hey! in the conversation. Your your robot friend's he's a he's a fucking toaster. Um, but she does successfully bait them into letting her come along on their little mission. So I think she just wanted to hang out. Yeah, her night improved for sure. She got to she got to drink tea with a weird guy if who she, doesn't exist. If she had been killed by Moriarty in this episode, would that have been like a, such a great three episode run? <laughs> she like shows that up is a mean racist and dies. Episodes? Yeah. Great. That would have been a good guest run. Um she but she does play it way cooler than Jordy or Data. She like doesn't give up information to him and she chats it out real cool and she's like She's at least, like, making an attempt. Meanwhile, Jordy and Data are just calling each other Jordy and Data the whole time. And, like, freaking out about the arch and, like, running out of the holodeck in a fucking tizzy. And she's just kind of Yeah, she's better there. at playing in the holodeck than they are. It's true. Yeah. Eventually, Troy pipes up with some gibberish that helps nobody. Something about a unifying consciousness. Yeah, say goodbye to effective... She's done. <laughs> competent season one, Troy. She's done. Worf is done. They're done. 
Riker and Maurice Hurley. Riker thinks this is the time for jokes at Worf's expense. He makes a joke about how Worf is. Uh, I don't know. Was it about how he was dressed? I don't even. Pay, I didn't even remember. I didn't write down the joke. Yeah, you'll be a big hit in London oh, right. because they'll definitely recognize that you're not human, despite the fact that they don't. That's not how the holodeck works and is. Yeah. Is Picard's bargaining, and more importantly, um, is it- you know what? I take that back. Picard had to explain that data was from Argentina or whatever. <laughs> Brazil. In the, in the Brazil, in the fucking uh, big goodbye. You know Brazilians. So they all look like... Is racist. I don't know. <laughs> they, all, they all look like albinos. You know that about Brazil. Um, is Picard's bargaining, and more importantly, is this offer genuine? Like, does he really intend for somebody to begin research about how to keep Moriarty alive? Or is he just talking shit and, until Moriarty, like, really has him over a barrel? I assume he's talking shit, and he fucking probably made a log entry about it, and then forgot. Yeah, I don't... And no one ever read it. I'm not sure he genuinely has the intention to do anything about it, and as we know, there's an episode about this later, but I'm not gonna try to get into that right now. I'm just... I just... In that episode, I was like, I think he's just bullshitting. I don't think he gives a shit about this dude's newfound consciousness. Um, I... So, yeah, a three for me. Do you have some uh, quick hitters? I know when we talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, it seems like it's all quick hitters, but... <laughs> do, you, do you have some? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, scene, in scene one, does that lady, uh, I guess Clancy is her name, does she eye-fuck Data? Something like that, right? She is like... I think she wanted more lines or wanted to become a recurring character or something. And he refers to her like your new assistant. Yeah. And I, so I, I think she's one of these... Uh, Let's try out a new character. Biff Yeager. I'm oh, sorry. What's his actual name? Argyle. Chief Engineer Argyle. Yeah. Uh, Biff Yeager's the actor's name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, Gomez. Sonia Gomez. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, we should give Jordy a playmate or something. Or I don't know. We should well, see what happens on the rest of the ship, not just on the bridge. I, and then I think they, they saw don't. what we all saw. And Clancy was playing horny way too strong. That's right. And they had she to... was she was going full Garrick, and it didn't make any sense for her. <laughs> they had to write her out. It's not professional. And so begins one of the worst recurring pieces in all of TNG. This motherfucking Sherlock Holmes bullshit. Although I guess it, it began. This is not actually the beginning. Yeah, it was the uh, last outpost, right? But this is where they decided to fucking lean into it. Yeah. Uh, Instead of just having Data have a pipe and everybody's irritated by his play acting for a minute. I already complained about the stupid music. Uh, let's see. Jordy, Pulaski, and Data have a lot of off time. I ain't got time to play mystery for hours after work. Where they find yep. the time for this? Oh, wait, I have time for this. Um, that dark fellow there is what Moriarty refers to Jordy as. He does. Yeah, it's true. I know that people in the olden times were racist, but like... Do we got do we gotta write it into their mouths? Like how about the guy with the fucking weird glasses? <laughs> yeah, say that. The guy with the the machine on his face. Yeah, that dark fellow there. Ugh. Um Jordy can't figure out why Moriarty knows stuff, even though he keeps blabbing away right in front of him. <laughs> the whole time. He's just giving up the game. Going, Data, how does he know about the Starship Enterprise in space? <laughs> Data, how does he know he's not real? Data, how does he know he's a hologram on something we call the holodeck? Data, how does he know he's made of proto-matter and we can't take him out of the holodeck or he'll disappear? Data, I think he saw me draw a picture of the Enterprise. He looks like he's, he looks like he's drawing it now. 
Data, he handed this picture to you upside down, and then you handed it to me upside down <laughs> so that I could flip it over for the camera. <laughs> but you can see it through the paper. It's very weird. He just traced my drawing, actually. Um, hey, why doesn't that paper with the shape of the Enterprise disappear when they leave the holodeck? It's a good, real good question, huh? Have they already but been duped? Why Did they never Leslie leave the holodeck? Snowball disappear? Are the next like, six seasons some objects are real? Clearly, <laughs> are the next six seasons just really on the holodeck because they never left? That's a, it's look, it's possible. They try some switcheroos, so it's always possible that that's what's happening. And then Picard was looking at it in the observation lounge, and I'm just saying, like that that came from the holodeck. Okay, um, Picard delivers a French maired. He does. Why don't they reference this unholy creation in a later episode, The Measure of a Man? Yep, it's coming up this season. Let's remember... I'm not going to say... Look, we're 90% sure the Enterprise computer ascension. Yeah, let's remember everything that happened in this episode when that episode comes up. Because all of the same questions are asked, but in this one, like you've already pointed out, are answered to everyone's satisfaction very quickly. Um... Did the technology that allowed the computer to parse more sultry and create minuet also allow it to decide Jordy meant scary old British fuck? Well, uh, so here's a here's a question. When Riker can't get minuet back, is that because the computer just knows she's bad for him? <laughs> the computer's trying to help him out like a little bit. The computer bit. could still do it, but it's no, like, it's like too the binary soon. enhancement is still there. The computer could do it's it. It's too soon, Commander. Like, no, no, you've had enough. How would you like this one? To give you a regular, a regular lady that you're gonna rub on, but no. Because what if no this whole thing wet. happened because of the stupid binars enhancement? No, you're declaring your love for her. So, <laughs> how would you like this redhead? Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure how Picard determines that the safety protocols have been disabled. Was it because the hollow hobo threatened him? Because the, ho- the hollow hobo threatens him, and he goes, oh, it's, uh, the safety protocols even have been disabled. And you're like, oh, but how do you know? I mean, Jordy said it earlier. But how that he the safety know? protocols have been enabled, but there is no evidence for it. You're correct. Mm-hmm. Although, maybe if the safety protocols were enabled, you wouldn't be able to shake the ship. <laughs> well, I mean, I would hope. I would hope that would be one of the things. That, that does kind of feel like a violation of the holodeck safety protocol. Uh, that's all I got. I got just a few things you didn't touch on. Uh, we will never see this hobby of Geordie's again. Oh, the shipbuilding? The uh, shipbuilding by hand? Yeah. Is this the first time Data plays the violin? Because um... Geordie wants to know how he can fucking do that, and the unsatisfying answer is because Holmes could do it. Uh, what he literally says is, just throwing myself into the park, and you're like, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he's played it yet, but he'll play it 900 more times. Uh, Moriarty is already given Data and Jordy hella shifty looks before Jordy says the magic words that make him sentient. Was he already sentient? <laughs> that's right. Maybe Jordy's taking credit for something that's not his. And maybe it's not even his whoopsie. Maybe, again, the binar enhancement is just really bad and they need to walk that all back. Regarding Moriarty, <clears throat> I like that he says Mr. Computer. Mm-hmm. I don't like that he labeled his chalkboard with the drawing of the Enterprise on it, figure one. Like, I know that this is the this is a mistake that some prop person made. Yeah. But he's what? a professor. Yes, but this is not 
this is not in a book or a text where you're going to say later in text refer to figure one maybe he was going to say it dramatically to somebody i guess <laughs> refer to figure one and then point at the board <laughs> And I had the same uh, the same thing you had about Picard, where it's, it seems like they wanted one more chance to tell us the mortality failsafe had been overridden. Yeah. Because they gave it to us a couple of times, and I don't see why. Um, uh, ben, who, by the way, gave it a 6 for world building and a 3 for characterization. Oh, yeah. Uh, 6 for world building? Is that just because they made Ascension Guy on the holodeck? Yeah. All right. Yeah, be, yes, because to him, this is evidence that the Enterprise is alive and striving to be more. Oh, I see. He says he thinks there's a lot here between the lines. It's very between the lines, because they don't care about it. They don't care at all. That's all right, that's what we do here. I actually credit, he's I credit not, Ben for that. He's not wrong. But the problem is, the fact that nobody addresses it makes me think that we're not supposed to think it's that. Not, yeah, it's not technically world-building. Right. They aren't actually saying it. But it is a good fan theory, and we do strive to bend over backwards for the bad writers. So I think it's a reasonable thing, and I've I've done similar things in world building before. It's just I didn't feel that way about it. Yeah. And then uh, he gives a quick hitter asking if you ever noticed how the pulsing of the Enterprise's engine sounds like a white noisemaker set to Mother's Heartbeat. I have never noticed that because I don't no. have a white noisemaker, and I wouldn't set it to Mother's Heartbeat. No. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, something he uses for his actual kids. You know what I use on my actual kids? Or to help them sleep. Fucking switch. Woof. <laughs> I uh, I gave best actor to Moriarty. Not a lot to choose from in this episode. No, I agree. I think you made Jordy the right choice. Jordy and Data both give bad performances. I guess the second best in terms of acting is probably Pulaski. I would also agree. I gave uh, worst actor to Data. And uh, <laughs> get it together. Like, if you... I know I'm not an actor. If you can't play your character playing another character, yeah, yeah, take a class or something. <laughs> Get like if you can't, coach, Brent Spiner. if if Data's going to go on the holodeck and be Sherlock Holmes, and your approach to that is, I'll just I'll just be Sherlock Holmes, right? You fucked it. Yeah, it's not you. Be acting. Data being Sherlock That's Holmes. Right. That's right. That's all I want. I agree. And to never have to watch another Sherlock Holmes episode again. Well, you are going to fail at that one. Also, I hope they never do a Robin Hood episode or a Mark Twain Absolutely. episode or an I, West episode. I agree. I agree with all of those things. How about some Shakespeare? You want to see any Shakespeare? I don't need to see any Shakespeare. But, 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 but what if you got a Shakespearean actor? Oh. Like a Patrick I Stewart mean, type. You'd have to have one on the cast, but... Maybe not Patrick Stewart, but a Patrick Stewart type. But what if he was both playing an extra... In Henry the Fifth or whatever, because he loves and it, and also playing himself watching it. All right, it's very. Now I'm convinced. I'm down. I want to see it. All right. Will I get an opportunity? That's the only question. Uh, Matthew, this week. Oh, does that mean I have to? Does that mean I have to describe this DS9 episode coming up? You're going to get to Fuck. describe the DS9 episode that we watched this week. Right. Second Sight. Oh no. Bah, 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 bah. Do you remember when we were getting static? I turned down my thing. <laughs> this week we watched Second Sight. It is my opinion that this is the best thing we're going to get out of DS9 this week. 
Uh, all right. Hey, guess what? It's the fourth anniversary of Wolf Three Five Nine and his and Cisco's wife's Jennifer's death. So he's gonna get some hot action, some anniversary action. Uh, he's wa- wandering around the station. And he meets a sexy alien, and she's like got elf ears, but she's black. So don't worry. Anyone who was worried about interracial <laughs> romance, it's not happening. She's a black alien. And, uh, boy, he's just mad taken right. with what? Yep. All right, all right, all right, yep. all right, all right, all right. Because I wrote the same thing, and then later I wasn't sure, so I looked it up. Oh, okay. She is. She's only one quarter black. Oh, no, she was, she's only a quadroon. <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> don't, don't act, don't know the word. I'm oh, sorry. Knowing the word is, of course, uh, proof of that word's power over you. That's what I know about all words, in fact. All right. Yeah, I looked her, I looked her up. Okay. Well, anyway, so I'm. I you know what they were doing. Out. I took that note out just in case. Don't take they that note out. Trying to do that. You know what they However, were doing. However, he does when he is describing her to Odo. He does describe her as having dark skin, Boom. brown skin. He describes her as having brown skin. Go ahead. Boom. Anyway, uh, he means it's not as bad as Tuvok's black Vulcan wife. <laughs> that made me so mad. <laughs> anyway, the lady straight disappears on him. She pulls a weird ghost trick on him, but he's he thinks it's sexy and mysterious. Uh, the B-plot of this that's related to the A-plot. Uh, there's a crazy old terraformer scientist around, and he's got a... His next big project is to bring a star back to life or something. And he's got his own yeah. Nebula-class starship, which we'll talk about. And, um, Basically, this guy is Ira Graves, yeah. plus the guy who loved to imagine baseball. <laughs> the nanites. Then the one in the nanites episode? Season yeah, three? plus a little bit of Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Yeah, he's a real... He's a real fucking piece of work whoever writes this show doesn't think much of scientists no it's a science fiction show and they're like scientists are pretty much universally bad just all bad the worst. we all agree that they're the worst they're people, either right? well-meaning and irresponsible or just straight jerks um anyway so he's got this project and he's uh, at ds9 is a you know, staging point or whatever uh, that's not really what the episode's about uh kirk is into this lady he finds out uh cisco sorry did i say kirk <laughs> black kirk Seems like it should be Kirk. So this goes way into this lady. Uh, he goes to have dinner with this old scientist and sees that this lady is that dude's wife. But she doesn't seem to recognize him. So it's a big mystery. And he's getting Odo in on the case. And he's like, what's going on? Find me this lady. Anyway. Oh, he's straight up mad at her about it. Oh, well, he gives her a real icy stare when she's like, you seem to have me confused with someone else. And he's like, seems that way. And he gives her a murder stare. And you go, oh, man, men are scary. Yep, that's not really something I'm ever going to have to deal with. Like a lady just being like, I reject her advances and she gives me the murder stare. Yeah, it's straight out of a Louis C.K. bit before we discovered <laughs> that, that he was, was a, a power masturbator. Yeah, anyway. Uh, anyways, yeah, so um, he's Kirk's thrown for a fucking loop on this one. Uh, it turns out this lady's having like some... God damn it, you said Kirk again. What's wrong with Did me? you write Kirk down? Hold on, let me take a or... look. No... I didn't. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell you what's wrong. Um, I got my new mic set up, and it's hard for me to look at the screen and talk into the, and talk into the microphone. Oh, I see. So I guess Cisco has an I and a K in it. Black, Black Cisco. Black Kirk. Black Kirk is... Hold on. Alexa woke up. <laughs> but does it answer to Black Cisco? <laughs> Black Let me Cisco. just get through this. Let me just get through Buy this. Buy me five pounds of beef jerky. <laughs> Cisco, uh, he... Uh, you know, it turns out this lady is having like some fucking psychic visions. She can like make 
she can create a, a psychic lady who walks around the station and gets into some romance situations because she doesn't like her husband. Is that what's happening? Yeah. She, yeah, she she doesn't like her husband, so she's got these weird um, psychic fantasies that live out in real life. But then she pretends like she doesn't know about it. I think she knows. I think she's pretending. Anyway, uh, she like goes into a coma because she's so sad. <laughs> right. Because her marriage isn't good. Because she's sad about her marriage. And uh, the only way to save her is for this old guy to go off and sacrifice himself to bring that star back to life. Because when he's dead, she'll be happy. And then she won't have to have the psychic her walking around fucking black kirk right and she comes from a planet where they mate for life so this space war (laughs) what can i do what can i do yeah uh boy um i think you can tell from my description uh all the kirk cisco stuff aside that i didn't think much of it but what did you think this was about okay um people who are too interested in romance may be covering emotional damage all right okay people people use romance as a cover for emotional damage okay that's a complicated take but i okay i can take i can take that and work with it uh that's a four to me by the way because it's not science fictiony it is not but it is but it's something to think probably about. true i think it can be a, at least it's a mild piece of insight these two um these two people that we meet Cisco and uh, Fena. Fena, thank you. I don't. I knew actually, I wrote it down somewhere, but it would I take actually a while. don't remember what the wife's name was. Just what the psychic. The image. wife's name is Nadell. Okay, all right. Uh, like get caught up in this thing based on nothing. They seriously have two minutes of small talk, and it's everything small that, talk. Everything that she says is like. I'm going to see the galaxy. I thought I was looking for a place, but it turns out I was looking for a person. Like, whoa, she is. She is on a romantic quest. I think you're right that it's two damaged people finding each other. And they are. They're both very damaged. She's got her bad marriage. She's so damaged. She doesn't even know that. Right. And he uh lost his wife and this is the anniversary of her death he's vulnerable cetera, and let's just right? say so. let's be honest he's backed up right yeah you think we he's, can say it yes well he hasn't met any other black women so <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty backed up and Dax might be into it but he remembers her as an old man yeah. and it's like yeah he hasn't creeped on anybody on the beach in a long time woof right yeah. so <clears throat> And then, boy, that beach thing. You know he goes down to Bajor and touches the orb and goes there, right? <laughs> Every day, man. Or he just fucking... He just goes into the wormhole sometimes and tries to explain another human concept to them, and he's like... Oh, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to tell you about mortgages, but be my wife. <laughs> that's right. You be my wife, and I'll tell you about mortgage. Oh, that's so sad. You came up with the saddest thing. Then he'll go and tell the aliens about really well, I boring he's topics. out of interesting human concepts. He'll go in right? there just to talk to him as his wife. He's like, let's talk about dead instruments, but... Oh, boy. Now I feel really uh, bad. But be, be Jennifer. Will you be Jennifer? And I'll tell you about be anything Jennifer. you're curious about. What did you ask me about last time? You you asked me about uh, some, emo- some emotions. You asked me about what sadness. I'll tell you. I got yeah. some opinions on it. Uh, yeah, so he's probably, he's probably pretty backed up. Anyway, that's what I think this episode's about. Mm. What did you think it was I about? I got, it's lonely out in space, dog, one point. 
Yeah, that's a sucky take. He's lonely. For sure. That's a real sucky <laughs> non-take. Come up with anything. I really thought hard about it. Oh, that's not true. I saw that episode and then I immediately wanted to forget it forever. So yeah, I didn't. Think, you didn't think hard. I didn't about think it. hard about it at all. Yeah, uh, but that's okay because on execution, I gave it a one. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, let's let's hear about this great one. Uh, it's execution. D- DS9's turn to give back some ground that it had been gaining. I guess. Uh, what can I say about this episode? It's not about anything. It isn't interesting or surprising. Um, one point. It's got one point. Well, okay. So, I already explained how they're both damaged people. Yeah, your, your take is more thoughtful. Yeah. So, fine. Uh, there was the cu- one nice touch in this episode is that Odo gives us a little hint to be on the lookout for telepathy, mm. because we see him giving a briefing to his officers right before Cisco shows up to ask where Fena is, yeah. and he's briefing them about some bad guy that he doesn't trust who's going to be on the station who is a powerful short range telepath, Ooh. and he tells them not to get within fifteen meters of him. Yeah, but that doesn't actually have anything to do with this. It doesn't have anything Unrelated. to do with this, but he gives you a hint that uh, the telepathy exists in this universe and that it can be strong. All right. So even though we've never seen a psychoprojective telepath before, yep. he's prepping us for that a little bit. And that is kind of a nice touch because ordinarily he could just be giving them a briefing about... Quark. Two Nausicans are coming to the station, yeah. etc. right? So watch the mean? bar. A, a, a Dopterian thief is going to be on the station. I think they chose to make his briefing about telepathy. All right, that's okay. I didn't even notice that. Uh, still, this episode is kind of a rehash of Perfect Mate. From the TNG. Yeah. And nothing about the Prometheus makes sense. No, it, not, nothing. Is, he in, is the scientist in command of that ship, or is that Lieutenant Junior Grade in command? I don't know. I don't know. I have to ask the same question. I don't know if it's in world building or what. How can no one have come on board DS9? Anyway, it doesn't make any sense. I think because only five um, guys are on it. Right. However, since I gave it, uh, since I have an actual take and I can think about how they executed the take, I gave it as many as four points for execution. Good job. Uh, ben gave it a three on the take for Love Stinks. Yep. Um, <clears throat> that's worth three to him. And four on execution. He says, uh, they're not really taking any chances in the audience, uh, not concluding this scientist guy is an egotistical asshole. That's true. This guy is a real fucking 2D character. They just have him walking around going, I'm pretty great, right? If you can stick with him to the end, he shows some awareness, like... Yeah, then he straight fucking he keeps jettisons himself these women into and the they sun. Hate him. But yeah, then he does go into the sun because it's a fucking melodrama. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was gonna say, I don't know why is... he can't just uni- 